Welcome to Working Matters. I'm Claudia Rempel. And I'm Carl Edwards. Join the conversation on the web at boldenterprises.com. Well, Claudia, we've been having fun with playing favorites, our topic of this series. People who think they're choosing the best, but everyone else knows they're just playing favorites. They've got some person, some technology that they are in love with. Now, we've talked a lot about how this is sort of a, a way in which we may actually be blind to kind of our faults in a way because we're, they're our favorites. They're just something we hold close and dear. And to actually let them go, to actually be objective about them is almost impossible. Because that's not our experience of it. Our experiences of it is they're the best things in sliced cheese. Or there's no alternative. It's obvious to us. One of our favorites may actually have been the best alternative at one time, may no longer be the best alternative, and we can't see it. So what we're doing is we're talking about these things so that we've got clues. We all will have clues to catch ourselves in the act of playing favorites. And if we want to keep doing it and there's valid criteria for doing so, then we can be comfortable with our decision and the choice. But if we actually, as the criteria get tested and the evidence plays itself out, if another person might be best for the job or another technology to serve as a tool, you know, we can become aware of it and think about it. But you're right. No, we don't. So as long as we don't see it, we're never going to be able to improve. So let's talk about this week. This week. This week we work, go to the beloved, if cursed, area of policy and procedures at our companies. Oh, I consider it an unfortunate fact of life, but necessary nonetheless that you know, when a group gets to a certain size, can't talk to everybody about everything and choose every time how you're going to do something. You need policy. You need procedures. You need to agree ahead of time how something's going to handle it. And then when it comes up, you have the to-do list, you have the procedures, you have the order and the components of what, how to respond, be it in laying someone off, being in making a major purchase, be it in how you handle a lot of things. It's laid out. This is how we do it. It's important. Boy, sometimes those things just don't work anymore. Right. And I think the number one clue in this area is if somebody confronts you with a way to change something and your answer to them is, but we've always done it this way. <laughs> this is an excellent clue to say that you're playing favorites with a way of doing something. Clue number one, we've always done it this way. So it may be good to keep doing it because it has worked in the past. And why throw something away merely because somebody wants to do something differently? There's a, something to be said there. Change for change sake is not necessarily good. But boy, is a great clue to trigger us. If you catch yourself saying we've always done it this way, that's a clue. Well, let's pause. And look at how we've always done it. And let's look at this new way and, and examine them. You know, the other side of that is what you brought up in a different show, which is when somebody points out that something's not working very well, we hear it as criticism. We hear it that we're, we didn't catch it. We aren't doing the best. We didn't come up with something. And so we stop listening to the idea or the issue altogether. And we go right into defense mode and start protecting the policy that's always been there or that we've chosen or designed ourselves. And, we, and, you know, we can't talk about it objectively because we're protecting ourselves, We're protecting our baby instead of talking about what's working. Well, this is particularly hard when you feel like someone is trying to take advantage of something. For instance, maybe you have a policy in place with customers or returns or anything. And then, you know, someone comes along and, you know, I mean, you have the policy or the procedure in place to protect from, you know, 
fraud or from people just, let's say, returning things that are used and broken because they've broken them or whatever. But then, you know, maybe you're confronted with a situation where someone has a legitimate complaint, but because of a policy, you can't satisfy a customer and they Mm -hmm. kind of walk away. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a clue that perhaps something that you've set in place just to protect yourself as a company or from a client isn't always serving you well. No, that's a great example. So if you, the policy, in fact, has your team turning their brains off when the return comes in. So yes, an example of somebody who bought something in order to use for a party that night, and the party's over and it's broken, so they bring it back to return it, and they're trying to take advantage of return. So you have a policy in place, not to be a rigid law, but to help your employee say, no, we don't take things back. I have a great example of this. My husband just had a pair of hiking boots that the sole just completely peeled off mm-hmm. the shoe. Oh. So he had bought it at a at a you know major outlet for sportswear and so he took it back and said you know my shoe is falling apart he said well you know after a long thing it's like well we're gonna have to charge you it's a repair and it's not on warranty he said well because it's wear and tear he said well wear and tear would be like if the sole were worn down the shoe has come apart this is obviously a manufacturer's error so he had you know went back and forth with you know the manager of several stores and online and i mean they're a major chain so finally um the man says to him, well, really what you have is a satisfaction issue. And if it's a satisfaction issue, then you know we guarantee that you're either 100% satisfied or you don't pay for the item. And nobody could have figured that out any earlier in the process. Well, regardless, you know, it wasn't like he was trying to get away with something. These boots were obviously coming apart. And the point is nobody's thinking. They're yes. just trying to figure out what policy to apply. So this policy said this is wear and tear. Wear and tear is not covered. Right. Therefore, you will pay to fix this item. And it ends up falling on the customer just because the employee feels they have to follow the the policy. So there the policy itself makes sense, but the implementation, that's the word I'm searching for, falls apart because no one's thinking. So in in the case where someone is trying to scam you and bring things back and the policy protects you, in the case where you have genuine dissatisfaction or something that's falling apart, you can't just make a decision to the contrary. So that's a great example of how kind of a blind application of our policies and procedures can backfire when our brains, our intuition, our social savvy is, tells us we've got a loyal customer here who's not happy and you know would love to make them happy. Another is one that just doesn't work anymore. So let's, it's not an application issue. It's, a, uh, it's not a how it's applied. It's not the problem. It's that it no longer serves a purpose it used to have. So it used to be for tax purposes, most organized to do pay raises, you know, once a year at this time. And so you can't, you know, deviate from that. And then when people perform well during the year, there's no way to reward them until, you know, 11 months later. And then it's long forgotten and people feel, well, forgotten. But there may be no reason not to adjust salaries anytime someone sees fit. So go willy-nilly with it. You might give them too often to make them too rigid. On the other hand, you might not be able to reward people when you need to. Again, we're letting the policy and procedure push us around as a leader. That's what's backwards. That's what's backwards. Policy is not the problem. It's that it's pushing. It's the, you know, putting the cart before the horse. And it's pushing and limiting what a leader can do 
not serving as guidelines and parameters and structure into which leadership can take place. So that's what we're, you know, that's the danger when we get these policies that we have to have is, no, no, they serve you. You don't serve them. So, I mean, have you ever been in a situation where you feel like you're working for your policy manual instead of for your supervisor? I think everyone in HR must feel this way. This is my own personal opinion. <laughs> exactly. So, and and people, and I actually have compassion for anybody who works in HR because they're not actually even involved in the main task of the firm, which is whatever they're selling, whatever they're making, whatever they're providing. They're in the service capacity to the rest of the firm. And they're the ones who are trying to make these policies help all that other stuff take place. And more often than not, though, they implement it by, you know, being more like enforcers of the policy and, you know, get horrible reputations as police officers and, you know, uncaring people who can't listen to complaints because they're so afraid of getting a lawsuit if they give any visual or verbal signal that might suggest that the person has a legitimate problem. It's, it goes backwards. And again, I think important thing to remember is just kind of the being aware of what you're giving up, giving aware of what you're missing. And you said it so well, if you are basically working for this policy, it's the one running your, the way that you conduct, you know, your leadership, then that's pretty significant. So let's leave it with that. The, the question of the hour is, are you the leader or is your policy manual? You know, do you work for the manual or does it serve you? And if you feel like you're working for it, it's time to get everyone involved and rethink it. If it's serving you and helping you, then that's what it's there for. It's providing the structure and means to make things happen smoothly, regularly, and safely. Well, next week we'll be concluding our series with our favorite office culture. And as always, we're on the web at boldenterprises.com. See you next time. This podcast is a Bold Enterprises production.